It's time to step into the more that God has for you. This is Eunice Lai, and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of Beyond the Building with Laura Pereno and Debbie Kiever of the Beyond Women's Conference. When Boaz declared that he was going to be the Redeemer, he used Ruth's full name. He used everything that she had been in the past and everything that she still was when he made his declaration in front of the elders and the people around that this was the woman that he was going to be the redeemer for. Look how he starts. He says, I have acquired Ruth. Just a common person, just a common girl, gleaning in the fields. Everyone knows that she's been taking care of her mother-in-law, just a common woman. And then he says, Ruth the Moabite. Ruth's heritage, her past, was a deal breaker for the guardian redeemer that was closer. But Ruth's past and her heritage did not make a difference to Boaz. He said, I am taking you, Ruth, even with all of that hopelessness attached to you. I am taking you even with the name Moabite attached to you. I am marrying Ruth, the Moabite, widow. We talked this morning about how being a widow in those days was full of hopelessness. So he has declared everything that she was, everything that she had been, and none of those things stood in the way of her Redeemer receiving her and bringing her to himself. And the line that gets me every time, and as I was studying this, just gave me goosebumps every time. He said, I take her to be my wife. We talked this morning about Boaz providing uh, provision and other things for Ruth along the way. Boaz could have just taken her as a servant, and she would have been provided for. Or he could have taken her as a friend. And she still would have had some provision. She probably would have been at the table. But he took her as his wife. Everything that the Redeemer was, he was giving to her. And everything that the Redeemer had, he was giving to her. And if we look at it, look how he declares it. We've been talking today about the fact that we have hope and therefore we are bold. Boaz It says he declares it, or he says it, to the elders and to the crowd. No microphones in Bethlehem. To the crowd. Boaz was not ashamed to take this foreign woman as his wife. And he declared it to the crowds. He said it loudly, confidently. This is the woman who had no hope, and I am making her mine to the crowds, people who half of them could have judged her, judged him, and half of them could have received it. He didn't care. He declared over her, you have hope because I am making you mine. You know, when it comes to our names and our past, we can picture our Redeemer making that same declaration over us. You know, I put myself in there, like, instead of, I take you, Ruth, the Moabite widow. I take you, Laura, the woman who struggled with hope and trusted in other things 
and tried to make things happen on her own and it didn't work out. I take you, everything that you are, with all those labels, those hopeless or uh, not trusting, all of those labels that we have put on ourselves or maybe other people have put on us, our Redeemer says, I take you with all of your labels and I'm not just making you a servant and I'm not just making you a friend. I mean, praise God, we are friends of God and praise God, we serve him. But he goes beyond that and he says, I am drawing you to myself. And we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. We have a relationship with God because he takes us with all of the labels attached to us and he loves us anyway. You know, our declaration here is we have immeasurably more hope because we have a Redeemer who knows our name. And we could actually tag onto there and he loves us anyway. So many of those things that are on our labels are the things that maybe we hide or if other people knew, would they know our name and love us anyway? But God says in spite of all those things and maybe even because of all those things, I take you because I can clean it up and I can give you the hope. He knew everything that she was and he loved her anyway. The day after we met Emily, we had to go to court and we had to stand before a judge and the judge got to approve our adoption. And I was scared because I don't really do well with court anyway. I've only been to court one other time for traffic court and uh, I did not do very well with traffic court. So you can imagine adoption court um, being all emotional and everything else that goes into it. But as I went into this courtroom in Volgograd, Russia, we were on one side, the judge was in the middle, and there were people seated on the other side of the, of the room. And I looked over, and there was a familiar face, or maybe I should say a familiar hat. And it was the lady in the big hat. And we were told when we were sitting there that the lady in the big hat actually was Emily's advocate. For people who couldn't speak for themselves, the Russian law provided an advocate, which is a whole nother Bible study because that just goes into the fact that Emily had hope the whole time too because she had someone speaking on her behalf. So the baby's advocate was on the other side. I saw the lady in the big hat. I looked over at Dan, he also saw the lady in the big hat at the same time and we're a little uncomfortable because we had had that whole situation with baby on the table. <laughs> Dan's up there. <laughs> and uh, wondering if my child had teeth. So, as the judge started talking about our court case, or our adoption case, he was speaking in all Russian, and of course I, I couldn't understand him, until he said her name. Russian, 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 Emily Natalia Perino. Russian, Russian, Russian. I got that. That's all I needed to hear was her name. And when I heard my baby's name spoken in a Russian courtroom, you know I started to get emotional. They asked Dan, the judge through an interpreter, asked Dan to stand up. And I was not aware, but we were gonna have to answer questions. And so Dan stood up, 
And they asked him a few questions. I don't remember what those questions were. But Dan is very well spoken and did an amazing job. And he answered the questions correctly and well. And then the judge, through the interpreter, said, you may be seated. So Dan sat down. And then the judge looked at me and through the interpreter, asked me to stand up. And so I did, and he asked me a question. And he said, have you seen the child? And I remember I was able to get out one word, and it was yes. <laughs> that was it. And then he said through the interpreter, how did it make you feel? I already had tears streaming down my face. And you know those lumps you get in your throat that are the size of a grapefruit? And you know you're just not going to be able to get any words out around them? Somehow, I was able to get out the sentence, I felt very excited. <laughs> and the judge looked at me and he said, sit down. And I sat down, but I will tell you that with all of the tears and all of the emotion and this monstrous lump in my throat, when I looked across the courtroom at the lady in the big hat, I knew the deal was done. Because the lady in the big hat saw in my emotion and my tears exactly what she wanted to see. She saw my heart. She saw that my heart was for my child. And she saw that I was going to take Emily's name tag and everything that had been attached to her in the past, the hopeless situation that she was in in Russia, and that I was going to take all of that stuff off of her name tag, and I was going to put a new name tag on Emily, and I was going to give her a new name, and that is Daughter. Because we have hope. Because our Redeemer knows our name. He doesn't know us by everything that we were. And I took Emily that day, Dan and I took Emily that day, and we gave her a home, and we gave her a future. Because that's what our Redeemer does for us. He gives us a new name. And as much as those tears were because I was emotional, a lot of those tears were also because I had done nothing to deserve this. Nothing. The hope I had that day, the hope restored, was only in what my Redeemer had done for me. Because based on what I did, my situation should have still been hopeless. But God orchestrated this amazing four-year journey so that I could have my hope fulfilled. And Emily's hope was fulfilled too. When I think about this, I get overwhelmed that this little itty-bitty nine-month-old baby had her hope restored, and she had done nothing for it. And I had my hope restored too, and I had done nothing for it. And when I heard at the very end that Dan and Laura Perino from little itty bitty Wilmington, Delaware, were now the parents of Emily Natalia Perino from little itty bitty Kalash, Russia, all of those years of hopelessness, gone. Because you know, it just so happens. God orders our steps. And as insignificant as we feel in the big picture sometimes, and as hopeless as we feel in the big picture sometimes, 
God has got it. He has everything ordered, and he is going to speak our name, and we are going to have our hope restored. Boaz called Ruth's name. I can't imagine the tears that streamed down Ruth's face when she heard her Redeemer call her name. Everything she had been through, the lump in her throat, when she heard somebody say, I take you with everything attached to you, and I am bringing you into your hope. I am bringing you into your hope, and you are going to have everything that I am. She was so unworthy on her own, but her Redeemer had made her worthy. And you know, we are going to hear our Redeemer call our name too. We are gonna stand before his throne and he is going to speak our name. And as much love and emotion as I felt in that Volgograd courtroom during adoption, I can only imagine the love and emotion that I will be feeling and that we will be feeling when we hear our Redeemer call our name. And through tears streaming down our face that our Redeemer will wipe away. If anybody asks me how I'm feeling about it, I will say the same thing. I am very excited. But my Redeemer won't tell me to sit down. My Redeemer will say, come to me. Enter into my rest, into the hope that I have prepared for you. I have hope because he knows us by name and he calls us by name. And you know, it doesn't matter if we're Ruth, who has been worshiping false gods all of her life and has just now found the God of Israel, or if we are Naomi, who worshiped the God of Israel but had fallen into a time of hopelessness and bitterness and her declarations about God were wrong. There is hope for all. There is hope for all. It doesn't matter if I'm the foreigner or if I'm the person from Israel like Naomi was. He's not afraid to speak my name. He knows me, he loves me, and we will always have hope. There's one more declaration today to make of the hope that we have in Ruth, in the book of Ruth. And that is, I have immeasurably more hope because God gets the glory. In the end, you know, all of our stories are about the glory going to him. So let's look at Ruth 4, verse 11. Then the elders and all the people standing in the gate replied, we are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home like Rachel and Leah, from whom all the nation of Israel descended. May you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. And may the Lord give you descendants by this young woman who will be like those of our ancestor Perez, the son of Tamar and Judah. In front of all the people, the story that they had seen walk into Bethlehem, dead and broken and bitter. They're now seeing this story come alive. They're seeing restoration. There is hope beyond our wildest 
dreams. I want you to go back with me to this morning. Ruth chapter one. Ruth's first declaration was of hope was your people will be my people. And you know, up until this point, she hadn't seen it. It was you are the Moabite. They had not received her as their people. But with one declaration by her redeemer, look at what they say. Not only are they now saying, Ruth, you are one of our people. They are saying that you are going to be likened to Rachel and Leah and Tamar. Rachel, Leah, and Tamar were women who they had almost as their royalty, the people that they looked back at, whose children had established the house of Israel. So for the women and the elders and all of these people in the crowd to be looking at Ruth and saying, may God make you like these women whose children established Israel, not only were they bringing her in and fulfilling her hope by saying, your hope is fulfilled because you are now one of us. You're not just one of us. We're putting you up there. You are in an elevated position because of what your Redeemer has done for you. At the same time, while Ruth may have stood in amazement at being equated to Rachel and Leah, if she had known the stories of Rachel and Leah, she may have said, whoa. Sometimes we don't know the story behind the story. You know, we read that and we think, yes, Ruth is gonna have a great part in the establishment of Israel. But the situation really is that Leah was the unloved wife of Jacob. And Rachel was barren, but loved. Tamar was Judah's daughter-in-law who had not had an easy road either. So when the crowd declares this over Ruth, they are saying, may you be blessed and may your household build up the kingdom of Israel. But at the same time, they're acknowledging the broken road that Ruth had traveled. You know, why did God choose her to be connected to these three names? because God uses us in our brokenness. All of these women were broken women, and God was saying, in your brokenness, there is hope. Your brokenness will lead you to places that you never would have imagined on your own. So Ruth was being elevated to a position that she would never have been in. Her hope would not have been fulfilled if it wasn't for her Redeemer. And Ruth won. She could have gone back. She could have gone back with Orpah, but she chose to keep walking the road with Naomi back to the hope. When we feel like we have no hope, that's the time that we should be going forward and we should not be going back saying we are hopeless. When we arrived in Russia right away, my story kind of goes back and forth time-wise, but when we arrived in Russia right away, Talk about a hopeless situation. Every avenue that we needed to pursue to get to that orphanage, something went wrong. That is exactly the time you need to go forward and not go back. When things go against us and our hope is coming alive, we need to keep pushing on. I remember when we arrived in Russia, 
We arrived in the middle of a, of a blizzard, not just a snowstorm, but a blizzard. And the snow was so high on the ground that when we left the airport and we were walking to try to find a bus to get to the next airport, my husband always walks about 10 feet in front of me all of the time. And he had his carry-on, and as he was going through the snow with his carry-on, it was plowing a path for me to walk on. There was so much snow coming down. And you know, you know how Mary treasured things in her heart? That's one of those things I will always remember is the picture of Dan in pursuit of his child going through a blizzard to get to her. So as he was pulling his suitcase through the blizzard, and we got to the... Um, where the buses are. Now, you know, the Russian alphabet does not look like our alphabet. So when you're trying to determine where you are, you can't kind of sound out what that word might look like and then try to sound it out here. You have to look at every character. So it was a while before we figured out which bus to get on. When we finally found the right bus, and it took us to the next airport, because of the blizzard, every flight was canceled. And so we went into this terminal that was probably to seat about 100 people, and there were about 1,000 people in there, because every flight was canceled. We sat, and we waited, looked into maybe a train, a 20-hour train ride. All the trains were canceled. So it was obstacle after obstacle of resistance. There was one plane that was still on the, on the tarmac. And Dan went up and, and asked in English, if we could get a ticket on that plane. And the gentleman told Dan in broken uh, English, I'm sorry, that was yesterday's flight. And Dan said, well, what about today's flight? And they said, well, today's flight is canceled. And he said, well, can I buy a ticket on that flight? And they said, no, that was yesterday's flight. Well, after a very confusing conversation that just went, kept going back and forth and back and forth, we were finally permitted to purchase a ticket on yesterday's flight. When yesterday's flight took off today, we, we ended up arriving in Volgograd very late in the night. It was very cold and it was very icy. And when I came down the steps from the airplane, I fell on the ice. And I remember laying on my back on the cold, hard ice and I saw everybody getting their carry-ons and going away, and it was midnight, and everybody's going away. And I just remember looking up at the sky and thinking to myself, God, I had one idea in mind of how you were going to fulfill my hope. <laughs> and this isn't what it looks like, lo looked like. You know, this is cold. And this is hard, and I was half crying and half laughing because I knew I was going to have a very big bruise. But the more that I thought about it, I just kept thinking, God, I love the way you work. Because in those moments that are cold, and we fall on the ice, and that are hard, and things aren't going our way, that is when God restores our hope. And there's, that was nothing I did. That was all God. Never, never, never do we think that God is going to work in the ways that he does. It's always in a way that is beyond. What I learned from my adoptions experience is that when there's a hopeless situation, the end result is always going to be more than I can imagine. Even if it feels hopeless, even if it's cold, even if it's dark, even if it hurts, 
no matter what the situation, it's always going to be beyond. If I hadn't lived through the pain, I wouldn't have my story. And when we got home from Russia, the phone was ringing off the hook because other people had heard about our story. And other people had hope because of the hope that was restored in us. Our stories of hope, Ruth's story of hope, gives us a story to go out there and bless other people, and it restores the hope in others. Now, we get to the point in our story where Ruth and Boaz are married, and let's look at verse 13. The Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. The women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. I like what it says there in verse 13. You know, we saw the name Elimelech in chapter one and two. In chapter three, the name Elimelech isn't mentioned, but we see God as redeemer. In chapter four, the name Elimelech comes back and we know that at the end of the story, God was still the king. But all through the story, we know that God is working. But in verse 13, this is the only time that we actually see God's hand moving. It says, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant. When God's hand moved in Ruth's story, their hope was fulfilled beyond. This baby just happened to have a son named Jesse, who just happened to have a uh, son who became a shepherd who was King David. And he just happened to be in the lineage of Jesus Christ, which brought Ruth the Moabite into the lineage of Jesus Christ. You know, Ruth may have only known a few stories about the Messiah, because she was new to the whole thing. But God was working through her to bring about the hope of the world that she had committed herself to back in chapter one. God was doing beyond. But amazing as that is, and it is truly a wow that a Moabite is in the lineage of Jesus Christ. I want you to look at one more name. They named the baby Obed. Obed became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. Obed means servant. Our story started with a name, Elimelech. God is king. And in chapter four, our story ends with a name, and that is servant. King and servant. You know, Jesus Christ is all through this story. Let's look at uh, Philippians 2. Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place 
and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Ruth's story starts with a king and ends with a servant. It's all about Jesus. You know, he's seen as the king of kings, represented in the name Elimelech. And he's seen in even the name of Bethlehem, the house of bread. You know, the truth is, the bread had never left the house of bread. God's people always had hope in Bethlehem because the true bread was there. Jesus is seen in the living water that was given to Ruth. Jesus is seen in the invitation to the table and in the Redeemer who went beyond. You know, he is the humble servant represented in Obed's name. And Philippians tells us that one day, every knee will bow before him. Our Savior, our King, our servant, our King, we have immeasurably more hope because that is the God who will get the glory out of our whole story. Philippians says that we will all bow down and we will all give him glory. Ruth lived in a time when the judges ruled and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. But God was bringing the light out of the dark. He was establishing this relationship between the foreigner and the redeemer. God has always had a plan for the foreigner and the redeemer. And it just took one child, Obed, to start the lineage, continue the lineage going to Jesus Christ. You know, the whole story of Ruth starts and ends with Jesus Christ. It just so happens to start and end with Jesus Christ. And that's you and me too. Our stories today start with God and they end with God. I have hope because I know that the same God who started my story is going to finish it. And you have hope for that too. Whatever it is that God has started, you have hope that he will finish it. I just happened to be seeking adoption when Emily just happened to be born. We just happened to choose an agency that just happened to start adding Volgograd to their list. You know, we just happened to go to Sweden but get home in time enough to see my FedEx package there so I could watch my baby video. We just happened to go in the middle of a blizzard. We just happened to stand in front of a judge with a lady who was watching us so my daughter would have hope. All of these just so happens put my story in place because I can see how God has fulfilled my hope through it. You know, we may not know what is going on or how God is going to get us there, but we can know that we have hope and that he has got it. The whole story of Ruth is that he has got it. Jesus Christ, our hope, he is eternal, firm, and secure. The same God who orchestrated her story is orchestrating ours, and all glory goes to him. We believe that God will use what was shared to encourage you as you step into the more that he has prepared for you today. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, remember, you were created for more.